Season three of the Burning Rooms podcast. It's here. Thanks for continuing to listen, all of you. Uh, we're really excited about the season. So here we go with episode one. Today we have Brian, Jehu, and me, Johan, at the table to talk about functioning as a praying community through trouble. We just came through and seemingly still have our foot in the middle of a pandemic. How does a prayer community function as a prayer community in times like this? What have we learned during this time of trouble? What should we be gaining from this season to take into inevitable future trouble that's coming ahead? This is the Burning Rooms Podcast. Welcome to the Burning Rooms Podcast, a bi-weekly podcast where we connect you to the prayer movement in Canada and beyond, where we have the conversations and share the stories to strengthen your corporate and your personal prayer life. My name is Johan. And I'm Brian. And I'm Jehu. So before we get into our topic today, which you heard at the introduction, I want to tell you about this box of pens. (laughs) (laughs) It's a hilarious box. Uh, No. Okay. So before this whole pandemic thing, I had this giant, I ordered a giant box of consecrate internship pens because we were going to go to a conference in Saskatchewan. We're going to promote our internship. It's going to be awesome. Our our pens were going to get us some interns for September for sure. Like there's some nice clickety pens. The best pens. 500 of them, this giant box. And of course, COVID comes along and cancels this conference. So I'm stuck with this giant box of pens. So I just wanted to throw this out there to our listeners. If you want a pen, I will send you a pen. I will send you a clickety pen. Just send us five bucks for shipping. I might even send you two if you order before the next episode comes out. But five bucks shipping and I'll send you a pen. We might even consider throwing some in for our patrons too. So if you become a new patron in the next, uh, how long? Uh, maybe the next month. In the next month, you'll see a pen in the mail sent straight to you. 500. Or I'll, I'll send you a pen a week. And then when you get tired of them, you might have to pay me to stop sending the pens. We're calling this promotion Pendemonium. It's a pandemic. Pandemic. <laughs> anyway, going back to our topic today. So let's get this conversation underway. Today we're talking about this season that we just came through. Uh, We're talking about functioning as a praying community in the midst of trouble. This is obviously from a pandemic perspective because we're just coming out of it, but we want to be able to apply this to future seasons of trouble as well because we know there's going to be future trouble. Uh, So, hey, Brian, why are we having this conversation today without stating the obvious? Well, I think this is a good conversation to have because... We're all in the process of learning on the fly. I mean, when the prayer movement started, I just think about for many of the houses of prayer across Canada that would be in the 10 to 15 year range of of being that old. Like when when these houses of prayer were started, there was no framework of how do you start a, a house of prayer. It was kind of learning on the fly. And now here we are kind of 
all over again, trying to learn on the fly. Okay, how do we do this? What does a house of prayer look like in this scenario? And there's just, there's no manual for how to do this. And so we've been figuring things out on the go and we're definitely not pretending that we have all the answers, but that's why we want to have this conversation. What have we learned? What's, what's this season been like for us? And, and it's just an opportunity for us to grow. And so we would really love to hear some feedback, even from this podcast and hearing different things that worked for, for some of you as well. Yeah, like what has your praying community done in the midst of the pandemic? What have you done to keep up prayer meetings and kind of your prayer mandate that you have in whatever community you're in? So let's talk about the first couple of weeks. So when the pandemic hits North America, we obviously have some restrictions come into place and we need to make a few changes to the way we're doing our, our prayer meetings, which, which we're meeting only two days a week in the actual building that we're in, but we're meeting in houses and other days and stuff. So uh, what does it look like in the prayer room for this first couple of weeks in our community? I can just say myself, uh, because we're borrowing someone's building and we have to set up all the equipment every week and tear down, dragging it up and down the stairs. Some faithful people, thank you to the Peters who have come faithfully for the past 14 years and have done it faithfully every week, pretty much. It was a bigger pain, it really was, because we had to sanitize all the equipment as we brought it up. Uh, we obviously had to social distance while we're trying to carry things together because some of it's pretty heavy. And I was thinking, man, how can we keep doing this for several weeks? And of course, the pandemic progressed and we weren't actually allowed to meet shortly after that. So that was the first couple of weeks. What, what was your guys' experience in the actual building? Initially, I had a lot of faith to pray for the topic at hand. Uh, when you're praying for big things that are like revival in a nation or in a city, those things feel like they take a long time to move. But for something like a pandemic, suddenly this felt very immediate and very, very close. I remember putting up the praying for COVID-19 as one of the, the prayer topics for the rapid fire and, and, and putting up those things on the, on the slides or being the sound person hearing choruses around this topic. I was really excited to pray for that. It felt like we were doing what we were supposed to. We're a house of prayer. We pray for our city. We, we believe we're a, a city of protection. And to be able to start praying into that right away, I was super excited. I know it sounds strange to say you're excited during a pandemic, but it was one of those things where we've really believed that shaking is coming, that trouble is coming. And then when it came, I didn't think we were thrown off course or we were we were confused or concerned. We were saying, no, we've been ready. We've been training for this. Now we pray. Now we, we turn our prayer cannon, so to speak, at this target and we say, Lord, have mercy, relent. Would you spare our city? Yeah, and I think for me, I... I honestly don't even remember praying for COVID in the prayer room before we were not able to meet together. It just feels like so long ago and so much has changed in that amount of time. It's just, it's, it actually blows my mind just thinking about it right now. It's like, it, it's been such a, a wild transition over the last number of months. Even talking about like dragging our stuff up and down the stairs, because I'm one of the people who's always there for it. It's like, oh my goodness, I, oh, I'd. Maybe I'm trying to forget about that part. <laughs> so, but it's just it's just been so completely different. It's hard to even remember what it was like in that sense, like right when it started. Yeah, I mean, like Jehu was talking about, I was talking about more of the logistics myself, but for sure you can feel a little bit of intensity to our prayers, like knowing, okay, we're actually on the verge of a pandemic. We've been saying trouble is coming for the last 14 years in our house of prayer. And there's actual trouble right in front of us. Uh, we don't know how big it's going to be yet, but it feels like it's going to fuel our prayers for the next several weeks. So 
in that sense, I felt like there was more intensity to the prayer for sure. So I liked that. The weeks after that, I think we were able to meet two weeks into the pandemic, like into the restrictions before we had to fully pull out of the building. So it was that third week we obviously didn't meet. We didn't have any online plans in place to do anything like that because we've never done anything like that in our house of prayer before. So we didn't have anything in place to do that. But shortly after that, I think it was even the week after we started meeting on, I think we decided to do Zoom meetings as a community on Sundays. And then it quickly went to seven days a week. We were actually meeting in the evening. So what was your guys' experience or the weeks after the first two weeks in the building? I think for me, uh, and, and realizing even looking back at my last answers, like I think I was gone the last week or so. We, we did it in the building before we stopped meeting because I was speaking in some other places. But once we started getting online with Zoom, at first it was a pain because I did not even have internet at home. So I actually had to go drive somewhere to get in on the Zoom meeting. So I quickly got my internet at home set up. But then once that started going, I just, oh, I loved it. It's like we're having more prayer meetings now with uh, with COVID than we had had before. And it's that's, that's why I came on staff at the House of Prayer. And so to be able to have those regular prayer meetings was was great. And I and I just, I do remember once, once we got into those Zoom meetings, like feeling the urgency of it, like it didn't feel real until you're kind of locked up at home and you can't really go anywhere. And so at that point, you're, you're feeling the urgency of it. You know that it matters. And it was just great to see people on a, I mean, it was exciting. I got to see human beings every time we had a Zoom call. And I know some people are complaining about it, but like, hey, I'm seeing human beings here. This is great. I think what you're speaking to also is a bit of the challenge. I know some people, they were saying, oh my goodness, I'm locked at home. I have to be a work at home mom and I have to be a homeschooler and I have all my kids trying to get on the Wi-Fi at the same time. There was too many people in the house and they were stressed out. I don't think that was your experience, Brian. Could you just share a little bit more about that? Well, yeah, for me, I think when, when this thing started, I was bummed out. I live by myself. So I, all of a sudden, I'm already doing a lot of work from home in our house of prayer context. But as someone who travels and speaks, I'm used to seeing other people on the road and stuff. And so all of a sudden, all of those things got canceled. Then our prayer meetings are canceled. So I'm, I'm like not really seeing anybody. And so it was hard. Like it was a, it was a tough emotional sort of shift. And And even the fact that our prayer meetings, we'd have prayer meetings, but there wasn't really socializing. And it was like, I'm all of a sudden, this huge area of my life is completely gone. So, so that that definitely took some some getting used to. So, would you say for you then those Zoom meetings having having a daily connect with people was that a real lifeline? Was that something that you found meaningful, beneficial? Like, would you have said that that was something you know in the midst of trouble, having a, a daily expression to both pray but then to, to see other people? Is that something that you would want to have going forward? Oh, I yeah, I I absolutely love that component. In addition to that, I, I had to shift so much of my job description because I'm, I'm raising support. But how do you raise support when all of a sudden you don't have a prayer room anymore and you're an intercessory missionary and the people who are supporting you, they're, they're stressed out because of COVID as well. So some of their finances are running into stuff. So like, I didn't want to be receiving money just for sitting at home and having quiet time all, the, all day long. Like I, they're, they're paying me to actually work. They're supporting me to work. Like we have a partnership together. And so I had to sh- change my whole job description around. And so I actually moved into starting to teach online as well. And so I found Zoom uh, just to be an incredible lifeline and a blessing. And I loved it. And so I, I know some people who are on Zoom all day long were finding that exhausting. Well, I wasn't on Zoom all day long, but multiple evenings a week and multiple times I was. And 
just to see familiar faces. All of a sudden, I'm connecting with people from across Western Canada and people I, I haven't talked to. Some of them I hadn't talked to in a, in a few years even. And so just all of a sudden, it became life-giving. It took a few weeks to get there. But, but once that happened, I was, just, I was just so grateful for it. I think that's just so cool to even see how you're saying some of the other relationships that you might not have, had, you know, it's been, it's been a couple of years, you haven't caught up, but now suddenly will you have this shared vision of prayer and of studying the word together? And this platform comes in and says, Hey, you know, you're in Saskatchewan, I'm in Manitoba, someone else is on BC, but we can all network over the internet and we can fellowship over the word together. I mean, that's, that's amazing. And I'm sure that the conversations you had with them were richer than it would have been in just your own context. Like there must have been things that popped in from other places. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Like one of the things that I I found right away is, and I, I tried to move quickly on it because I felt like, okay, if I'm going to do something, I need to do it fast because everyone is kind of locked up at home right now. They don't know what to do. We're trying to figure life out, but give them a month or two and they are going to figure it out. They are going to figure out their rhythms of how they're going to do things. So I knew if, if I wanted to do something, I kind of needed to be an early adopter. And so um, so once once we kind of, tr- I tried some short online classes, but we're talking about prayer, revival, like prayer movement stuff, like the stuff that I'm, I'm passionate about. Book of Joel, I mean, especially in the midst of shaking. And I just found the anointing of the Holy Spirit that was moving in the midst of the classes was every bit as intense as as something in, in person. Actually, it felt more intense for me. I'm just like, I was so blown away. I, we're encountering Holy Spirit like hundreds of kilometers, sometimes a few thousand apart from each other. Yeah, it, w- it was amazing. That's so cool to hear that even just in the midst of the trouble, the Lord would be so kind that he knows where we're at. He knows whether we're living alone or whether we're living in a house full of other people, and he knows how to meet us and how to minister to us. That's that's really cool. Yeah, and, and it, but it's interesting because we all have different contexts, right? So you're you're in a marketplace context, and so COVID has a, a very different impact on you in, in some ways. What was that like for you? So I would have been one of those people who was zoomed out, um, which is just you know part of part of life. I I enjoyed the prayer meeting, so nothing against those, but it was a lot because all the staff meetings were now online. All the PD that I had planned to go to as a teacher was online, and then of course the teaching component was all online, and so. All those things where you used to, you know, go to your job and you get to stand, now you're sitting, you get to talk to a room full of faces, now you just have a blank Zoom call. I mean, the the thing that bugged me the most was, at least for the prayer meetings, everyone had their video on. But all my students, being self-conscious as, you know, teenagers are, they all had their video off. And they didn't have any profile pictures because they were using their Google accounts and stuff. And so I'm just looking at a sea of of black and I'm trying to deliver these lessons. And so that that was tough. But the flip side was, I mean, the the technology was there. And so I'm really grateful that I know how to use technology and I was able to have all the things work. And so at the end of the day, it worked out, but um, it was it was challenging to say the least. I'm really hoping that in the fall, we're able to do a little bit more face-to-face. Uh, for me, even looking a little bit forward now, as much as the prayer meetings were so good, the Zoom meetings, a few weeks back, we had our first in-person marketplace prayer meeting. And that was the first in-person prayer meeting that I've been to in so long. And it was just, it was just mind-blowingly yeah. good. I was just like, oh my goodness, I love, right? Were yeah. you there? You were there. Yeah, yeah, you were, you were all there. You were all there. It yeah, was I, great. I was leading worship, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, it's also the first time we actually got to do an intercession set together, like with worship, right. with live music, because... When COVID hit, uh, it's really hard to do that on Zoom because Zoom audio quality is terrible. And I think we tried to work a few ways around that, but we ended up just doing Facebook live devotional sets, which sounded much better. But 
it's just devotional sets. Devotional sets are great. We love devotional sets, but uh, it's nice to have corporate worship too, for sure, when others are involved, right? Well, just the antiphonal aspect, the singing back and forth, being able to sing in agreement. I know for me during the Zoom prayer meetings, uh, I would often pray over top of the people who were praying. Um, no offense to anyone who was praying, but I would I would hear you praying and then I would just start praying myself or I would try to do like an agreement thing because just sitting there and listening to you pray, I was like, well, my spirit is agreeing with this prayer, but I, I don't have an outlet. I don't have a release. So I would often pace back and forth and just start praying the things you were praying or pray over top of you or sometimes do a little bit of core freaking prayer on top of the thing because I need that that response back and forth. And so that being able to go back to the in-person prayer meetings, I really miss, missed that. And now when, if we have to do online prayer meetings again, I, I want to find a way to get that responsive aspect. To me, that was the one thing that was missing. And the one thing I want to find a way to do next time, because I, I really think that having the back and forth is just so key to the way we do prayer. Um, and I, I really want that. So core freaking prayer. <laughs> you should probably explain what that is. So core freaking prayer. Uh, it's a it's a portmanteau of two words: uh, Korean and uh, African. Wait, what does that mean? Yeah, Sorry. I know, right? So core freaking. So Korean and African. You pop it together and you get core freaking. And it's a type of prayer where everyone prays all at the same time. If you've ever been to Korea, I haven't, but apparently when you go to a prayer meeting, everyone is praying at the same time. It's the same thing happens in Africa. It's just this uh, corporate prayer where everyone is is just on. It's not one person praying, it's everyone praying. And some people are praying in tongues. Some people are praying with understanding. Some people are just repeating Jesus over and over. And it's just this beautiful symphony of prayer. So uh, our friend Graham from the River House of Prayer taught it to us and we've adopted it and it, we love it. It's great. Yeah, yeah it is. I, I love it too. It's awesome. You did it with uh, one other person the other day, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, we did two person. Yeah, with uh, <laughs> Jehu's brother and me, myself, and we just had a blast. Although one thing I'll say with that I found interesting about the doing the Zoom prayer meetings is even a few months before COVID hit, probably for several months, I'd been thinking, man, I just wish we could do some regular prayer meetings. Like by regular, I mean like without the the worship. And because what one of the things that can happen in, in, in our model is that in a typical prayer meeting, only two or three people pray often. And so you don't get to hear, I mean, and the, the singers are singing, so that, yeah, it, it all counts as prayer. The people in the room are, are praying along silent, it all counts as prayer. But you don't get to hear other people out loud praying prayers. And so one of the things I really loved is that we actually had multiple months where, where we had multiple people praying. And so musicians and worship leaders and different people in our community who maybe don't, don't always get a chance to pray on the mic or maybe weren't even as comfortable praying on the mic, all of a sudden they were praying. And so we could hear them. And I, I love that. Like, I just thought, well, this is great. Now, as we, you know, a few months into it, I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go back to harp and bowl. But I, but I do think there's some real value in that as well. Well, and I think the fact that everyone had to take ownership, but also you got to hear people's prayer voice. Like some people, like you're saying, might be intimidated praying on the mic in a room full of people, but on a Zoom call of six or seven, they're much more comfortable. They're much more able. And then you're like, wow, I love the heart of God that you carry for this issue. I want to hear you pray more. Your prayer inspires me to pray. So I definitely agree. There was something about the Zoom calls by dialing it back a little bit, and not having the full room, you really were able to hear from more voices. And yeah, I definitely agree. That was a real, real gem from that. Yeah, because when we are functioning, I'm pretty much playing an, an instrument or singing on every single intercession set. So I never get to spray at the mic. So it was it was a nice change to be able to actually do that. So we're talking about some of the things that 
some of the good things that came out of COVID. Let's talk about some of those things that are birthed in this season and maybe that we want to bring into the next season. But let's talk about some of the things that were birthed. Brian, you talked about your online classes that were birthed, something that you've never really done before, right? Yeah. And so one of the things that was fascinating to me, I think how how often in, certainly in our house of prayer, we tend to focus on the under 30 generation and we we have a real value to equip and, and stir these young ones to love the Lord, to seek him, to pray. And I and I love that. Like I'm 100% in on that. I love young adult events. I speak at youth events, youth retreats, stuff like that. So I love that. That's not going away. But one of the things that really struck me is that in our nation, we have a group of people who are, and this isn't just in the prayer movement, this is just in our nation, often in the, the 30 plus category, even into the the 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s, who are often really, really hungry for God, but there are not a lot of resources being pointed their way. So you have the Bible colleges are all advertising for the 18 to 25-year-olds, right? And so many ministries are kind of aiming for that generation, but you have people who are nearing retirement, you have empty nesters, or you have people who are living in small communities who are hungry, they're hungry for more of God. They're hungry for quality teaching. They're hungry for, for worship. They just love the Lord. And there's actually not that much resources available to them, especially if you live like so many people do. And like I've, I've lived in the middle of nowhere before too. And so you live in these small town Manitoba or small town Saskatchewan. There, you just can't go to a church down the street or something like that, right? It, it just doesn't exist. And so that's really changed for me, my perception of all of a sudden I'm realizing we have so many hungry people out there. And so what are the ways that we can reach them? And for those of you who are listening to this from maybe other houses of prayer, prayer ministries, this is something worth, worth thinking about. Maybe there's a, there's a greater hunger than we were thinking. And maybe there's new ways of reaching people that, that we need to embrace in this coming season. And I know Johan and we've had some chats about that in our house of prayer going forward as well. But I think there's more than that too. Yeah, because even before the season, like those older age bracket of people, they probably weren't on Zoom quite often, but all of a sudden everybody's forced to be on Zoom. So this is all of a sudden a possibility, whereas before they probably wouldn't have even thought of taking an online course, which there are probably some online courses available out there, but now all of a sudden they're familiar with the technology. So they're jumping right in there and you're getting more comfortable as you go. And personally, when the pandemic hit as a staff member for me, is a little bit different. I, I'm not as itinerant as you are where you go out and speak in many churches and stuff. I'm mostly just a worship leader, internship director, which our internship is canceled, but I'm one of the more tech-savvy people in our community. There's not too many of us, apparently. So I was forced to find ways to get everything online. Just forced. Forced, because they didn't know how generally. And I mean, Jay, who probably knows how, but he's still busy working at the school. I was swamped in my own Zoom meetings. Exactly. I was like, Johan, yeah. please do this. Yeah. yeah, and I needed something to do anyway. So I, it just, was see, good. I just keep thinking of Kip from Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> yes, I love technology. I don't know. Is that Johan? <laughs> not really. You're just a regular guy who knows how a computer works, I think. Maybe not that computer, but <laughs> I don't know. But I learned to do a lot of this stuff, and I feel like it's it's birthing some new things for the next season as well. Where, like, I'm leader of the internship. So now maybe we can move some of the consecrate internship classes online all of a sudden because we're learning how to do these things well. So, so maybe mouse pads instead of pens. No, we still got, I'm not buying most pads. Webcams? I, I don't have room for 500 most pads. I don't think people use most pads. Well, I guess some do. I just bought one. Yeah? Yeah. They're I, nice. It gives you that good grip. Okay. Uh, 
I think what you two are talking about, just from a practical standpoint, is that there's a treasure trove of online resources, but they're not connected to an individual teacher. They're not connected to a class or to a discussion. And so, like I love personally desiringgod.org. There are thousands of free resources on there for studying the Bible. And John Piper does an excellent job. So just a plug there if you're looking for something. The only downside with that is it's not back and forth. It's just you sitting in your house receiving teaching, which is great, but people often want to go back and forth. They want to ask a question. They want to have a discussion. And so I think there is an aspect that's missing from that model of just receiving the teaching. And so, I mean, I know uh, in our context, we did a bit of a hybrid. Uh, Johan, you had found like a teaching series and then you asked if anyone was interested in going through it, but it, it wasn't just going to be you. Do you want to talk about that for a minute? Yeah, that was another thing that, that was birthed through this thing, I guess. Uh, I'm a big fan of uh, Joel Richardson's books and Dalton Thomas, those guys at FAI. Uh, so they just came up with this Daniel series, which which they decided to do in the midst of the pandemic. It just felt like the right season for them to do it. And I'm like, you know what? I would love to listen to that series. And I know, knowing myself, I would have trouble sticking with listening to a full online series all by myself without any anybody else. There's just not that accountability piece. It's just helpful to do it with others. So I'm like, okay. I'm going to do this class and I'll just invite whoever wants to in the community to join me and then we'll talk about it on Zoom every every Sunday or whatever and we'll have a discussion around it. So we did that and and that was such a great experience. Like it's so easy to jump on Zoom and to have a Bible study sort of thing, talk about what you listen to, whereas before it was a lot harder to drive across the city to do this, but all of a sudden it's accessible to everybody, it's easy and the hunger for for the content was, it was just there. And that, that went on to birth a fasting community in, in, in our community as well, where we wanted to start fasting more and having accountability to that as well. And I just feel like moving forward, this like is really birthed something in, in a bunch of us anyway. And I think it's going to spill over into the rest of the community where there's just a group that are going hard after fasting hard after really learning this end times message and being the messengers, the forerunners, the ones that can speak with clarity and boldness. I'm really excited about that. So Brian, as we, as we move into, back into the building, uh, what are some things do you think are going to be a little bit different? Like it, it can even be in a good way. Like how do you think the community is going to respond as we move back into corporate prayer meetings? I mean, you've already seen a couple in the house, but maybe things that you've noticed already. Is there a different level of, of hunger? Maybe we took things for granted. I don't know. I don't know if this, I was going to say as strange as this sounds, but it probably doesn't sound strange. I think for a good number of us in our community, COVID helped bring us together by pulling us apart. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> no, but, but yeah, like, like really, because there are a number of people who were, we were just faithfully in on, on those prayer meetings whenever, you know, whenever we could, and which is kind of cool because it's a lot easier to make it to a half hour prayer meeting when you don't have to drive there. It doesn't make sense to do a half-hour prayer meeting if you have to drive halfway across the city. But if you just turn on your computer, do a half-hour prayer meeting, you can do it. So, so that component I really, really loved. But the other thing is, is that we, we have some shared experiences. So going through this Daniel Bible study, which isn't something we had really, it's been a long time since I've certainly been a part of something like that in our house of prayer. So that was an absolute blessing. We were able to do a couple of socially distant gatherings. Thankfully, we have people at farms or people with big yards so we could we could actually gather. So seeing people like that, now it's kind of like, oh, I just can't wait to be around people. And 
that's one of the things I'm really looking forward to is just being around people in a room. I, I don't care for 20 feet away or 50 feet away in the room. There are others like I'm going to see people like real people. Uh, and that that kind of excites me. I, I got to preach at a church a, a couple of weeks now, and I was just so excited to be around real human beings. I agree. It's great to be around people. And I, I'm just curious. I mean, we'll probably update our listeners to let them know how things are progressing even in our community what things are looking like because there's some like really weird restrictions on us meeting together corporately and we haven't done that and it's going to happen this coming week so we'll see how that goes and we'll probably update people but we probably need to end this episode now now it's time for questions for the oval table so this is a loaded topic do you want to introduce what this segment is? So welcome to season three of the Burning Rooms podcast. Okay, so season three, we wanted to do something different. We know you all love the, wait, what does that mean? But, you know, it's run its course. Season three, we got to do something different. You could say that it's forerun its course. No, you can't. Uh, semi-round table. We Maybe want... it'll come back in uh, season four oh. when we get more words. Oh, boy. if, if Season four runner? If people send us words, maybe. We'll see. But I mean, we, we're sitting at a semi-round table, and if you're a Patreon, you might even get some video footage of us recording this episode. So Patreon, join. You can get some weird behind-the-scenes things at our table. And <laughs> not so weird. Not everything's weird. Semi-weird table. <laughs> semi-weird table. It's like that egg commercial. All right, uh, so we're basically going to discuss uh, topics that have to do with being in community, specifically in a prayer room community. Just kind of practical things. What are our quick thoughts on these topics sort of thing? So our first question today, where do you sit in the prayer room? Why do you sit there? And how do you respond when someone is sitting in your spot? If you have a spot. So let's start with Jehu. So I tend to sit in the back as far away from everyone as possible. Now, that was before all the social distancing and COVID stuff. It was just nice to have space. Uh, when I go to the prayer room, I like to, to maybe put my feet up on a chair. I might bring myself a little snack if I'm not supposed to be eating in the prayer room. You know, it's just nice to be just away, you know, tucked away in a little corner somewhere where you just kind of get in a little nook. It's almost like a reading nook. You know, I'll bring my Bible, bring a commentary. It's nice. It's nice. How about you, Brian? I sit wherever I want to. Um, yeah, but... Basically, I have a couple, I have a different spot that I sit on Sunday as opposed to Monday, but I usually try to sit in the first three or four rows just so there's less distraction in the room. And I do a lot of pacing, so I'll get up and pace around the back and stuff. But that just, I, I don't want too many people in front of me because I just get, will get distracted that way. So I do that, but I, I try to change it up actually. And so sometimes just to be myself, I'll sit in somebody else's spot, especially one of our, one of our people, I did this a few months ago, who always sits in the same spot, like for years. And so I got there early, so I was like, I think I'm going to sit in his spot today. So I'm that guy. Well, we should probably have an episode like this when I'm not here. You guys can talk about me. Yeah, probably, because I'm one of those people that sits, I've probably sat in the same spot for the last 10 years. And uh, it's, it's always on the right side, right by the aisle, four rows back. I just find the sound Mental there. Mental note. I just, oh, I gave it away. I shouldn't have. <laughs> but I just find the sound is really good in that spot. I'm right by an aisle because I actually don't sit most of the time. I, I tend to pace quite a bit. So I got an aisle right beside me. And if someone 
goes down my eyeball. Then I just go down the aisle and Someone go to goes the back. down your eyeball? <laughs> <laughs> eyeball. Aisle. <laughs> anyway, that's my spot. And it's very seldom that people, people must like me because they don't often take my spot. But you know, you get that odd visitor once in a while. And well, it's not just an odd visitor. Yeah, when we even get, the normal visitors. When we get the crew from Eston and bless their heart, I love them. Please come back when social distancing is over. I'd love to host you guys. Eston's great. When we get the group from Eston, they don't know about all these rules. They don't know Johan's spot is in the fourth row right next to the aisle. Even though my groove is in the seat. They just don't know. They don't know my spot's over in the back, tucked away. And so they just come in loud and proud and sit where they want because, well... Like normal human beings. There's an empty chair. And the chaos, the chaos that it causes. (laughs) My goodness. Like, I remember we had one member a few years back. If someone sat in her spot, she she might just leave. She might not come back. She'd be like, nope, they're in my spot. I'll try again next week. It was one of those things where there's so many little idiosyncrasies. People have a spot. And to me, it's the interesting, like, if someone gets bumped from their spot, what do they do? Do they bump someone else? Then they get bumped. You're having this sort of everyone moves on over. And I mean, where does it end? As for me, I just don't sit down then. I'll just wander around aimlessly holding my bag, waiting for my spot to open up. You're sort of like circling, waiting for that parking <laughs> yeah. spot to open. Eh? That's pretty much it, yeah. Maybe we should call this segment Find the Introverts. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's our new segment. I hope you enjoyed it, even though, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't take my spot. Please don't take my spot. So remember, on the fourth row, right next to the aisle. Yeah. So pay attention and see if this segment comes back in, in future weeks. And bites me in the groove (laughs) (laughs) okay so to our listeners we're going to put on social media where do you sit in your praying community we want to know so that when we visit you we can see how you react when I sit in your spot thanks for joining us thank you Jehu and Brian for your continued love and support (laughs) valued opinions and thank you to our Patreons Uh, If you want to find out more information on the Burning Rooms podcast, go to burningrooms.ca or go on our social media, the Burning Rooms podcast for Instagram and Burning Rooms podcast for Facebook. Sorry that they're different. I know it's confusing. Burning Rooms podcast at Gmail if you want to email us. And this has been a production and editing done by ARC podcast, which is basically me. So if you know anyone that wants to create a podcast... I want to help them. So go to arcpodcast.ca. Until next time, my name is Johan. My name is Brian. I'm Jehu. And this has been the Burning Burning Rooms Podcast. Podcast.